All right, welcome back to Baseball Banter on this Monday, June the 21st, 2021, the first day of summer as another month is about to come to a close and we have a a small amount of games going on. There are uh, three, there are eight games across baseball today. Um, Two of them are between the Braves and the Mets. They are playing a doubleheader. Uh, that series between May 28th and May 30th featured two rainouts, and so they are making up one of those two games today. And we will get to that first game in a minute, which was completed. They're in their 0-0 bottom third in game two. We also have the Dodgers and Padres on ESPN. They are starting their third series of the season against one another. And that should be extremely fun. One other game that has not gotten underway, that is between the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have lost 17 games in a row. They have the 23-game road losing streak, which cannot be added to tonight. They are at their home park at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. But they will be facing a Brewers team who sits at 40-32 and through their first 72 games. And when you take a look at the baseball standings so far, the Milwaukee Brewers, where are they? In a dead tie with the Chicago Cubs for first place in the National League Central. So all that and more here on this episode. But we're going to start with game one between the Mets and the Braves because... Jacob deGrom was on the mound. Now, Jacob deGrom has been going through a lot of uh, little injury scares. First, it was the uh, lat issue, and then it was a back issue. Um, Then there was the right flexor tendonitis, which is in the elbow. And then you had the shoulder soreness in his last start on Wednesday. Well... Every doctor that has looked at him has seen nothing wrong with him, and he was deemed good to go. He did his normal uh, in-start playing catch, throwing his bullpen, uh, doing everything he needs to do to get ready for today's start, and that's just what he did. He went out there, and he threw five scoreless innings, and given the fact that this was a seven-inning game due to the doubleheader today, I think... The Mets made the right call. You know, they limited him to about 70 pitches uh, over the five innings. And you can get away with that because, you know, you're only covering seven innings. So if DeGrom gives you five, then you only have to cover uh, six outs. And the Mets win the game four to two. And, I mean, there are not enough superlatives in the dictionary to describe Jacob DeGrom. I mean, what he has done this season is just absurdity. He has thrown 72 innings across 12 starts this year, which you would like to be a little bit higher, but, you know, given some of the stuff that's gone on, he's only been able to average six innings per start. And he actually sits with a 7-2 and two record, and for somebody who has been constantly screwed out of victories because the Mets haven't scored for him. Well, the Mets are now 9-3 in Jake's 12 starts, 
and he is seven and two personally. But that's not. But that's not what. That's not what gets everybody. It's the WHIP zero point five one. It's the earned run average zero point five zero, which is tied for the second best mark through a pitcher's first twelve starts. Bob Gibson in the year of the pitcher, nineteen sixty eight, had a point five zero. The only one to do it better than Jacob DeGrom and, and Bob Gibson uh, was 2015 Jake Arrieta. And, you know, we know that was a very special season for Arrieta. Uh, probably, you know, really the only great year of his career. But it was, you know, that it was really his special season. You know, because here's a guy with a career ERA of 3.83. But Jake Arrieta... Pitched to a 177 earned run average in 2015. As for DeGrom, he sits at a .50. He lowers his career ERA to 2.49 in 195 starts. He's 77-53, and he is now 24 strikeouts away from 1,500. We've always looked at 3,000 strikeouts being the magical number for a starting pitcher uh, over periods of time. Given DeGrom's age, I don't know if there's 1,500 more strikeouts in him, but that doesn't matter. I mean, what we have seen over the past four years is just utter nonsense. I mean, just utter just disgustingness. And it all started after a... Average 2017 season where he had his highest win total. He won 15 games in 31 starts. But his ERA was 3.53. He allowed a career-high 28 home runs. And then what happened there? That was a late timeout call by Francisco Lindor. And Ian Anderson just threw a balloon to the plate. Um, But 2017, he allowed a career-high 28 home runs. Um, allowed 180 hits in 201 innings, and you know, you you know, it's a he had a decent season, but you know, he you could not have fathomed. Then he had a good rookie year, obviously one rookie of the year, making 22 starts, striking out 144 batters in 140 innings. But you could not have imagined where this would go after 2017. Sure, the records don't really show much. He was ten and nine and eleven and eight the next two years, but a one seven zero ERA, a two point four three ERA, and the strikeouts just jumped. Two hundred seventeen innings pitched in twenty eighteen, two hundred and sixty nine strikeouts. Two hundred and four innings pitched the next year in twenty eighteen, two hundred and fifty five strikeouts. I mean, the strikeouts have just gone up and ridiculous. Um, and then you had 104 strikeouts in 68 innings a year ago in the pandemic-shortened season in which he made 12 starts but could only muster up four victories based on the lack of run support. Uh, the Mets got him. So, so far he's 7-2, and he has a whopping 117 strikeouts in 72 innings pitched this year. It, it is just utterly insane. He's allowed Three or he's allowed four earned runs in seventy-two innings. It is just you can't even begin 
to describe how that is. And he walked to today, so that put his walk total up to 10 for the year. So he's got a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 117 strikeouts to 10 walks. And hitters are hitting 113 off Jacob deGrom. I mean, what he's doing on the and he's throwing harder than ever. I mean, you watch the, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the leadoff hitter for the Atlanta Braves. So how did today's game start? At promptly 5, 10 p.m. Eastern time. First pitch, 100, mile, 100 miles an hour, fastball, strike one. Second pitch, 100 miles an hour, fastball, strike two. Third pitch, 101 miles an hour, swung on and missed. See you later, Acuna back to the dugout. And that's another thing that has been so utterly insane with Jacob deGrom. 34 consecutive batters retired in the first inning. 34 consecutive batters retired in the first inning. I mean, that that's 11 straight starts. So April 5th, when the Mets opened their season after the COVID uh after COVID shut down the, the National Series to start the season, he he opened the season on April 5th against the Phillies. And that was the only time a batter reached base against Jacob DeGrom in the first inning. So he's basically thrown 11 perfect innings since then to start the game. And, you know, that is just, you know, what that does is just gives it gives the pitcher incredible confidence to start a game out that way, and especially and then from the hitters dugout, you're like, you're going down one two three in the first against Jake, and you're like, well crap, now we're in for a long day. This guy's got his good stuff to start the game. I would say maybe once or twice this year, it didn't. It looked like Jacob didn't have his best stuff. Every other start, like today, he was just on, except for the walk he had to the pitcher, uh, Muller, in the third inning. And there was a little bit of concern. It looked like he was a little bit off, but I think it was it was just frustration from walking the pitcher. And that's another thing that uh, worries me about Jacob deGrom. His I'm frustrated face, and I'm not... The I'm not happy with what I just did face is the same as I'm grimacing in pain face. So you literally can't tell if Jake's in pain or he's just mad at himself. And I think that also speaks to the competitor he is because he's always just got that locked in. I'm going to just I'm just going to stab you in in the heart and you're, you're going to just take it basically because that's just what he's doing. I mean, what he. Every pitch he throws just looks absolutely unhittable. I mean, the uh, he, uh, he he as he usually does, throws a ton of sliders, and I don't think one slider looked hittable. It's just absolutely insane what he's doing. And looking at you, you can look at Baseball Savant where on online where you can see his spin rate. You can see his. Uh, uh, pitching release points. I mean, the guy is as consistent as it gets. Every time the ball is coming out from the same arm angle, and 
whether it's a slider or a fastball or a changeup, rarely is curveball because he's only thrown three curveballs this year. Um, the ball is coming out from the same angle, and you know the way he the way he holds his the way he holds the ball in his glove. You can't you can't tell what he's throwing. So hitters hitters can't pick up what he's throwing. His slider is just absolutely unhittable. It's 91, 92 miles per hour on average. His fastball's at 100 miles plus. I mean, it's literally just a losing battle. You know, I would love to get the opportunity just to stand in the box against DeGrom. Not, I won't swing. I just stand in the box against DeGrom and just see what it's like for a major league hitter and what a major league hitter has to face because they're they're hitters they're like I I just know I'm not there, there's just hitters that just know they're like I know I'm not gonna have a good day DeGrom is pitching you know and he's earned that respect over the last four years I mean 1.70 2.43 last year 2.38 ERA I mean he we are entering one of the most dominant stretches of pitching in baseball history. You know, and for us Mets fans, this is like watching Tom Seaver, you know, for the older generation. You know, that is, you know, now in their 60s. Like if like former WFAN host uh, Joe Beningo, who's 67 years old, he got to see Tom Seaver. A guy like uh, somebody who's in their mid-40s who grew up in the 80s and watched Doc Gooden pitch for the Mets winning the World Series in 1986 that's what it's like for us Mets fans watching Jacob DeGrom I'm 29 years old I did not get to see I did not get to see Dwight Gooden or Tom Seaver only YouTube highlights or Mets highlights on SNY. That's my visual of Tom Seaver. I didn't live in the moment. Because, you know, I can now live in the moment of watching Jacob DeGrom pitched. It's it's like... It's like a 65-year-old... It's like a 65-year-old Dodger fan who got to see Sandy Koufax. You know, Sandy Koufax is widely considered the greatest five-year stretch in baseball history. You know, here's a guy who was not, you know, was not the greatest of pitchers coming up in the late 50s. He did have a lot of control issues. And, you know, and then from 61 to, you know, from 62 to 66, you know, Sandy Koufax was as good as it got in Major League Baseball. But a lot of the issues with back then... Longevity was a bit of an issue in the 50s and 60s because he, because you hurt your arm, you know, there's no surgery that's going to fix it. You know, it wasn't until the 70s when Dr. Frank Job invented Tommy John surgery on Tommy John. And now that's a great reconstructive way. Most pitchers have gotten it at some point in their career, but... You hurt your elbow, you hurt your shoulder. That was the end of you. And, you know, from 1955 until 1961, and 1961 was the first time uh, Sandy became an all-star. 
He never had an ERA lower than 3.02, which was in his rookie year when he only pitched in 12 games, mostly out of relief. But come 1962, he led the majors in ERA twice, the National League in ERA three other times. So five straight years he led the National League in ERA, and two of those five he led the majors. And then you had, because you had a 25 and 5 season in 63, 26 and 8 in 65, 27 and 9 with a 173 ERA in 1966. He, he just blew his arm out and he was done at 30. And he got three Cy Youngs out of it. He threw four no hitters, including the perfect game at Dodger Stadium against the Cubs in 1965, which still to this day remains the only perfect game in Dodger history. But you look at the innings, and you know that's one thing that you know you're never going to see again. Jacob Degrom is just not going to throw 300 innings. Nobody's going to throw 300 innings. Sandy Koufax threw 311 innings in 1963. He threw 223 innings in 29 starts because he had to miss time because he was hurt. And then three, uh, three, 335 innings in 1965, 323 innings in 1966. The guy threw over 2,300 innings in just 12 big league seasons. That is, you know, that is just at, that's just completely nuts. I mean, you look at some of you look at some of the more modern guys, and I'm going to go to Randy Johnson because Randy Johnson was one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You know, Randy Johnson threw 4,000 innings in 22 years. So, I mean, you know, and he was never, I mean, by the time he was pitching, nobody was throwing 300 innings. You know, he, he did throw 271 innings once, 244, 260, 250. Um, you know, so he was throwing a ton of innings. But now as we get, you know, more and more, I'm going to point to a modern, more modern-day guy, uh, current pitcher, Justin Verlander, and he has thrown, and he's thrown 3,000 uh, 3, innings. So it's very rare, even though you're still seeing it a little bit, it's very rare. But his career high is 251. Sandy Koufax was throwing over 300 innings, and the complete games have dwindled. You know, Verlander has 26 career complete games. You know, Sandy Koufax would do 26 complete games over two seasons. You know what I'm saying? He threw, he had 100, over in one season, his last two years, 27 complete games each. So, obviously we've entered a different era. Um, guys are throwing less innings. But in exchange of that, you have longevity. Randy Johnson was able to pitch for 20 years. Justin Verlander has pitched for 16 years. I know he's out with Tommy John surgery this year, and we'll see what the future holds for him. Uh, Max Scherzer's been, uh, had a very long career. So we're seeing less innings starting to equal longevity, but also, to the medical advances in which it is more accessible to get a surgery on the shoulder or the elbow, and then you're good as new. 
it's it's like your elbow goes backwards in age because it's because it's been fixed up. So that's the best comparison I could have because and also what we're seeing with the Grom is not is unlike anything we've ever seen. And you know, you know not as many people were alive to see Bob Gibson. You know, that crowd is, you know, and sadly Bob Gibson passed away last year. But, you know, that group of people who watch Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax are starting to leave us, unfortunately, on this earth. And so they're becoming just a talking point. And that's, as a 29-year-old, that's basically where I can go, the only place I could go to. So that is my thoughts on what I'm seeing with DeGrom and putting it in perspective based off of what, you know, based off of what we are witnessing currently. Uh, One thing of note, tomorrow the number one prospect in all of baseball, Wander Franco, will make his big league debut for the Tampa Bay Rays, who, by the way, have lost six straight games, including getting swept in a four-game series over the weekend to the Seattle Mariners, which included three walk-offs. And, you know, speaking of the number three, how about the Yankees? Three triple plays over the last 31 days, including in the ninth inning yesterday, first and second, nobody out, Araldis Chapman walks two batters on nine pitches, and then on a 1-0 pitch, a 5-4-3 triple play. Urshela stepped on third, threw it to second base, who threw it to first, and it was a triple play to end the game. I mean, and I think that's the first time in baseball history that anybody has had, any team has had three triple plays in one season. And it was the first time since I believe it was 2010, the Mets and Phillies game ended on a triple play. And I think that one for Philadelphia was an unassisted triple play, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think that might have... I don't know how many times in history that a game has ended on a triple play. But those are the two, uh, those are the two references I can point to. Alright, number three, we have Shohei Otani. And he's another guy like DeGrom. I just don't know what else to say. There is nothing else that can be said to describe the brilliance of Shohei Otani. He hit his 23rd home run last uh, last night. And to, and to put his week into perspective, he played in all seven games last week. Six of them as a designated hitter. One as a pitcher. All six games as a DH, at least one home run. Two games with, two, two games with multi-home runs. The one game he pitched, 10 strikeouts, one run allowed, and a victory. So that earned Otani uh, Player of the Week, as well as Kyle Schwarber of the Washington Nationals, who seemingly is still hitting home runs. Uh, Nationals are off today, so no home runs today for Kyle Schwarber. But in the last two days alone for Kyle Schwarber, five home runs, including a three-home run day yesterday, um... Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him go for a fourth 
because he was dealing with a bit of a bit of knee soreness, and so Dave Martinez uh, took him out of the game. So great week for Kyle Schwarber. Shohei Otani is just well. Let, let's put it this way: if Shohei Otani stays healthy, he is going to win the MVP because. To be the two-way player that he is, there's just no way you could give the MVP to anybody else. I mean, the guy could potentially hit 50-plus home runs and strike out 150 batters. I mean, when does that ever happen? So you have to look at Otani as a clear, clear-cut clear MVP favorite. Despite what Vladimir Guerrero is doing in Toronto, well, I shouldn't say Toronto, because they haven't played in Toronto all year. They've played their home games in Dunedin, where their um, spring training site is, and now they're up at uh, Salen Field in Buffalo, New York. But the Blue Jays have it real special with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he's the man who is tied with Otani at 23 for the most home runs in baseball. And Guerrero, who... You know, lost 25 pounds in the offseason. He dedicated himself to getting into shape, and it is so paid off with the way he's just hitting a monster, monster, monster shot after monster shot. And he he's heading to one of the great seasons of all time. But it's just hard because it, it's hard to give him MVP because he doesn't pitch. And Otani is doing both. So, you know, while it might be unfair, it's it certainly, you know, it can't go without recognition the kind of year that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is having. You know, and we could get, we could have a season where both MVPs are guys who pitch. You know, if Jacob deGrom continues at this historic rate, He's probably going to be the National League MVP. I mean, I know you got Fernando Tatis Jr. You have Ronald Acuna Jr. Now, Fernando Tatis Jr. has battled injury after injury this year. And it's all related to his uh, left shoulder, which he originally injured uh, about three days into the season. So, I know they're going to be cautious. I have not seen the Padre lineup. Uh, let's see if I can go to the MLB.com game day. And take a look. The game starts in just under a half hour. And all right, so the good news is Fernando Tatis Jr. is in the lineup and batting second today. I'll give you, I'll give you the lineups for both teams today. Make sure you check out ESPN if you get a chance to listen to this as soon as I post it, because because by that time the game will have started and be and be on at that time. Uh, so we got leading off for the Dodgers is center fielder Mookie Betts with the shortstop Gavin Lux batting second. Justin Turner is at third base. He'll bat third. Will Smith is behind the dish. He'll bat fourth. The first baseman's Matt Beatty. He'll hit fifth. Uh, Chris Taylor is the second baseman. He'll bat sixth. The right fielder is Zach McKinstry. He'll bat seventh. Zach Rex, the left fielder, will bat eighth. And the pitcher on the mound for the Dodgers is left-hander Julio Arias. Uh, who is 9-2 with a 3.54 earned run average. For the home team, the San Diego Padres, they got left fielder Tommy Pham leading off. 
Fernando Tatis Jr. again is batting second. He's at his normal shortstop. With the first baseman, Jake Cronenworth batting third. So no, no Eric Hosmer in tonight's lineup against the lefty. And it has started to seem like Hosmer has reduced himself into a platoon role with, with Cronenworth, who actually is a lefty himself, uh, getting the start at first base today. Uh, Manny Machado is the third baseman. He'll bat fourth with Will Myers in right field batting fifth. The center fielder is Trent Grisham. He'll bat sixth with Hassan Kim. The second baseman batting seventh. The catcher is Victor Caratini. He'll bat eighth. And you Darvish is the starting pitcher. Six and two, 2.57 ERA, and 97 strikeouts. He will bat ninth. So that is that is literally that is the series of the week. The Brit, the Dodgers and the Padres. Again, that game is on ESPN at 10 p.m. So, and. Go, and going into this series, you want to look at the, the standings. Right now, what we have is both teams are chasing the San Francisco Giants right now. The Dodgers are in better position. They're only a game and a half out at 44-27. and 27. But things have uh, found, been found a little bit more difficult for the Padres of late. They're 42-32. and 32. Uh, Despite a four-game win streak, they are sitting five games out of first place. So it'll be imperative for the Padres to do some damage. But, you know, with the Giants, albeit losing on Saturday, they did take two out of three over the weekend uh, from the Philadelphia Phillies. The Dodgers have won three in a row. They swept the Arizona Diamondbacks um, as pretty much everybody else has. I mean, if you haven't swept the Diamondbacks this year in at least one series, then you're probably doing things wrong. Um, the, the Dimebacks are already 26 and a half games out. I just that You can't even fathom that being that far out this early in the season. But they've lost 17 in a row. But you've got the Dodgers on a three-game win streak. The Padres are on a four-game win streak. So And the Dodgers have an MLB high plus 103 in run differential. And, you know, they're somebody who is both... There is very good both home and away. Like San Diego is 17 and 18 away from Petco Park, but they're 25 and 14 in the friendly confines. The Dodgers are 23 and 12 at Dodger Stadium, but they're 21 and 15 away from home. And that is the mark of a that's the mark of a really good team, a great team. And the Giants as well, 22 and 16 away from eight, uh, away from Oracle Park. And they're twenty four and ten at home, and that's why I've always been under the you have to be at least five hundred at home. I mean, you have to be at least five hundred on the road, and be very good, at, and be play. I'd say close to six hundred ball at home. Like for example, the Mets are playing their twenty ninth home game in game two. They're currently twenty one and seven at City Field, but they're sixteen and twenty two away from away from the home park. And while you'd like that to be better, the Mets currently do sit at eight games over five hundred and a four-and-a-half game lead at 37-29. and 29. You know, it's, 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 it's teams like the Phillies who are 13-23 and 23 away from Citizens Bank Park that really ruin a potential great season. 
even the Rockies, who are 30 and 43, are 25 and 16 at Coors Field. But they are 5 and 27 in the in their uh, in away from Coors Field. And hold on, I I am just absolutely stunned by this. SNY is a trivia question. Which Hall of Famer hit the four? Yeah, here we go. Which Hall of Famer holds the record for hitting into four triple plays? For grounding into four triple plays? Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson, the, the great Oriole of the 60s and the 70s on, the, on a couple of world championship teams. Uh, 1966 and 1970. He was also the MVP of the 1970 World Series. The 1964 American League MVP, an 18-time All-Star, 16 gold gloves at third base, 2,800 hits, 1,300 RBIs, and a 1983 Hall of Fame inductee, which actually happens to be the, the other World Series year in Orioles history. So... 1983, a great year for the Orioles. One of their great, one of their franchise's greatest, goes into the Hall of Fame, and they win the World Series. Things are not so good these days for the Orioles. Let's just put it that way. They are they're one and nine in their last ten. They're they're 23 and 48. You know they 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 had a long losing streak as well, um, and they're 19 and a half out of first place. So. The, things are not looking good there in Baltimore as they usually have of late. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, this edition of Baseball Banter. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Will be another uh, busy week for me. I know I have not been uh, up to par with episodes of late, but we are working on trying to get back on track. It is Amazon. It's Prime Week for Amazon, so... Prime Day today and tomorrow, so well, you know, as an Amazon driver, it is quite the uh, quite the challenge, and that's a home run right there for uh, I think that's Ronald Acuna Jr. Yep, giving the Braves a one nothing lead, his twentieth of the year, and um, but anyways, busy week for me at work. I didn't get home till about uh, seven forty five tonight, and. I'll be right back up in 12 hours from then. So, be a long week, but we will try to get as much content out as possible. So, we will talk to you on Thursday night. Peace.